Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of Alt Reports Radio, where I am really happy to be on here with Fuquan Bilal of the NNG Capital Fund. And today, uh, you were referred to me by probably four or five people uh, that I've spoken with lately. At the end of each episode, you know, I hang up and then I say uh, to my guest, I say, who else do you know that I should uh, have on this show? And I think four or five times now they've said, oh, do you know Fuquan Bilal? And um, we were just talking before I uh, hit record here. And uh, and I had to apologize. that I didn't remember that we had met um, about a decade ago in, uh, in New Jersey at an event where I had met about 100 people that day. So um, and I've also... I've just seen you in this space uh, for a long time and have always meant uh, to connect. And so I'm just really happy to have you on here today so uh, we can finally we can finally have a chat. So uh, thanks, Fuquan, for being here. Pre appreciate you having me on. And with a name like Fuquan Bilal, that should probably be a name you'll remember 10 years later. Probably. <laughs> <laughs> right. Um, so you've come a long way in a decade of what tell me a little bit about what you're investing in today and sort of if you would take us up to how you got to this place uh where you are with your your current fund that'd be awesome yeah so today uh we invest in 100 percent uh alternative assets uh whether it be fix and flips in new jersey where i've been investing the last 23 years uh, cut my teeth in about 99, and I'll get into that in a few. And we also invest into multifamilies for cash flow. Um, and this time in the market where we are, it's all about the cash flow, using yeah. those rentals as a heads against inflation. Um, yeah. Just to go back a bit, um, I cut my teeth back in 99. Uh, for me, working a corporate job, and I had a cousin of mine who who started off in real estate. We've always been like rivals since we were younger. Who made the most money? <laughs> you know, who had the nicest sneakers and just all yeah. competitive, right? Competitive yeah. nature. Good to have And you. he did a he did a deal that he made like forty thousand dollars, which at the time I was like twenty-three, almost twenty-four years old, making like eighty-five thousand dollars a year. I had a really good corporate job. And he made half my salary uh in a few months. And I was like, Wow, I gotta see what what is this guy doing? So I started to shadow him around and lo and behold, I found out exactly what he was doing um, in the area where we come from. I was born and raised in Newark, which is, you know, the ghetto pretty much. But mm. there was a lot of opportunities there where there were a lot of blighted properties, dilapidated properties. And you had a lot of outside people coming in, buying properties for thirty, forty thousand. 40,000. At the time, they were worth, you know, you can fix them up and sell them for 160. You put a good 50,000, 60,000 into them and make a nice profit. So I started to shadow him around and within six months, I was able to make half my salary. And, and mm. the writing was on the wall from there. I put my two week notice in and started my journey in 99 and had the opportunity to ride the wave until the market crashed. I've been through two market cycles, 9-11 um, and 2008, which 2008 really rocked me. Um, yeah. Taught me a very valuable lesson. Um, it actually humbled me, made me become one with self. <laughs> <laughs> had to go through that whole process and pretty much start all over again. Um, you know, it's when you value money and you, and you pretty much worship it, it's your, and you're a slave to it instead of a master to it. When you lose um, a substantial amount, um, you really, you know, 
get punched in the face and have to start all over again. It was a ripple effect from there. Going through a divorce, I was fortunate to get custody of my two boys, which really made me the man who I am today and made me realize, you know, what the real value of life is. So I had to do some soul searching. Uh, when I came on the other side of the hill, I was able to pay all my investors back. I didn't file bankruptcy, lost a couple million dollars of my personal money, but I still knew how to do it. And the things that I, were la I was lacking, um, which I have in my life now is, you know, being around people, right? Your network is your net worth. I wasn't around the right people. Um, I got started when I was 23. By the time I was 28, I was a millionaire. I thought I knew everything. And like I said, 2008 humbled me. I had to start all over again. Around the middle of 2010, I started to, you know, pick my face up off the ground and start trying to figure out what's happening in this real estate business because it was just nothing happened. It was just a melee of, of properties. And, um, you know, a lot of things were still in this embryonic phase of turning around. I started watching more uh, uh, podcasts or uh, more stuff that was on the Internet and discovered the world of notes. Yeah. And at the time I was doing short sales. Right. So that was the play then um, doing short sales, getting that short sales, selling it out. So I was slowly getting into that and discovered notes, invested some of my own money and made double digit returns. And, you know, the next eight to 10 months and I was hooked. I was like, this yeah. is the best thing ever. No yeah. tenants, no toilets, no trash, no termites. I'm in right. laptop, cell phone. I can make great returns. And yeah. none of my investors believe, you know, like you're crazy. Uh, you're going to lose money in that business. No one understood at that time in 2011, um, the power of the note business. And and it was one company, PPR, Dave Van Horn, take mm -hmm. my head off to those guys. They really uh, taught me a lot about the business. I became one of their students and I was pretty much one of the few guys up north in Jersey um, doing notes. And I remember going to all the rears and telling people about notes and everybody was just like, this guy is crazy. I was the only note guy. And I think we met a few years later in New Jersey when they had the the expo yeah. um, in 2013. A lot more people started catching on and I was starting to build traction. So that's a little bit of my backstory. Today now, we pretty much run a fund, which is our seventh fund we have in place now that specialize in fix and flips and multifamily. And those fix and flips kind of give us that cash injection we need. And the multifamily, anywhere from 40 units to 100 units, we, special, we focus in the Southeast region, Alabama and Georgia. That give us the cash flow we need um, to kind of offset any SGNA, make our quarterly distributions to our investors. So tell me uh, a little bit about that. Are you so you have your own team and you're going out there and you're doing the actual flips? Or are you funding the flip? Are you the debt side or, or are you doing the whole thing? What what part of that? No, I get my hands dirty, Brett. I'm not the armchair guy. I'm outside in my Timberland boots and my jeans and seriously. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I'm getting it done. I mean, that's how I was built. That's what I know. I love it. Um, you know, it started off really going back to my community and making a change in the, in the community, repairing those dilapidated properties and, and you know, revitalizing the community, putting properties on the tax road. That really gave me my purpose. I was driven for that because I was able to go back to the hood, so to speak, give the guys in my neighborhood who had criminal records who would make excuses. I can't get a job because I have a criminal record. Hey, you could do a demo job. We got work for you. You know, get off the street. You know, let me give you some work. Yeah. And we did that. We did that for a while. And that worked until one day, uh, March 30th, 2001, being in a business um, two years later, it kind of backfired on me because it was an inside job. I wound up getting shot like five times in my office for a botch robbery. We used to pay cash every week to the guys. Did you um, say you, you got shot yeah. five times? 100%. I mean, that's the best thing that ever happened to me besides 2008. 
those are two moments in my life that, that really, yeah, I mean, it's, it, those are lessons that I learned. What I learned from that is you can actually go and help the community, but you don't have to be like, you know, hands on doing payroll and stuff like that. So you can actually hire general contractors for Quan. You don't have to be the GC. So yeah. <laughs> I kind of learned, learned how to work on the business instead of in the business, you know, after yeah. that. But it was an inside job. You know, I got shot five times. I, I was fortunate. Um, I was here for a higher purpose. So I was off my feet for about six months, did a lot of work from home, changed my circle immediately, um, got out of my partnership with my cousin. I was just so paranoid. I didn't know where it came from. Yeah. And I didn't trust anybody. So, you know, from that point on, I was on my own and kind of had the opportunity to ride the wave. And when the market crashed, the biggest lesson I learned from that was family is the most important thing. Your kids, your family, you need to create a business that funds your lifestyle. Like yeah. usually we're working and chasing work, work, work. You know, we figure out what we want our life to be and then create the business to fund that that lifestyle we want to live. And then you have the lifestyle business. So I'm working on your business today in your business. It's a lot because you have to develop system processes. Yeah. Um, my mentor already told me there's three things you need to be successful in a business. That's scalability, uh, which is systems and processes, the capital to buy and the assets to buy. And you need all three at the same time. So just keeping that mindset and just trying to build a company that can create an impact. So yeah. as I was saying, we started off in the area doing that revitalizing the properties. But now today we kind of work with uh, mid to higher end properties. Okay. Um, at the COVID, we kind of got priced out of the area after COVID because anybody, a bunch of New Yorkers coming over to New Jersey, we're about 25 minutes away from the city. But anybody who can afford a $200,000 house was just buying an overpaying 30% of a market price. So it got really competitive. And I was like, you know what? I have all this experience. I've been doing this for this many years. I can level up and, and be on the same level as the builders. I can buy a house for 500000 for 200000 renovation, sell for a million. We can play that game. Um, and it'd be less properties to manage on the flip and, and more profit actually. And yeah. we don't have to worry about materials being delivered and being taken from the house the next day because of the area. So right. uh, we decided after COVID to divest the whole portfolio we had of those rentals um, in New Jersey and start focusing more on, um, you know, higher end properties in Jersey doing fix and flip. So that's kind of what we do now, the mid to high end projects. Um, and then we have the rentals in the Southeast where we still can um, do our impact project, you know, get those C plus properties, revitalize them, stabilize it, keep a percentage of the units for battered women and children, section eight resident, and also the senior citizen. So my mom was a single parent with five kids and I grew up on welfare. And for me, I know there's good people in those areas. So, you know, our mission and purpose is to go in those areas, revitalize those properties, Make sure it stays affordable, but we have a, a, a large percentage of the units that we take to max rent so our investors can benefit from great returns as well. Hmm. So, yeah, so I saw on LinkedIn recently, I think you're closing on a multifamily somewhere, um, maybe in the in the southeast. So so I want to just sort of wrap my head around the thesis. So uh, so right now for the investment thesis, it's like. You've got rental properties that fund the operations, and I assume you build up, you know, stack some cash to go do your your flips. Is there is there a note component to this also, or is it all at this point? Is it all fix and flip and equity investment into multifamilies, or what else? What else? What am I missing in that? Yeah, that's a good question, and it kind of morphed over into uh, a part 
uh, syndication. I'll explain that. So in 2020, we just launched this fund because we raised the capital of our previous fund by the end of um, actually 2022. I'm sorry. The end of 2021, we raised uh, fully subscribed in our previous fund. So we launched this fund in January of this year. And in our previous fund, you know, we were buying multifamilies. We were doing fix and flips. And I said, you know what? The lending is going to change. Um, all that free helicopter money came out. So we knew inflation was going to happen and things was going to pivot. I've been in the business for 23 years. I've been through a few market cycles. I don't know it all. I don't have a crystal ball, but I'm in some high level circles, run with some high level guys, economists speak and kind of give us the play of, yeah. of what they think is going to happen. And we take from there and, and do what we need to do. So I'm just, I was just preparing for the future and saying, if I if the leverage is going to change, for example, when we go to an agency debt and they're giving out 75 percent, possibly if they lower it, which they actually wind up doing a 55, 60 percent as the 10 year increase yeah. and things change. Um, how many units will we be able to buy? We're buying two million dollar units. We're going to have to put up four million each unit plus closing costs. How many of those we can buy? Right. The fund is a 50 million dollar fund. Would we rather um, create a syndication such as a sidecar? Um, uh, be a 40% partner in that syndication, put up uh, maybe 25%. So if it's a $4 million raise, we'll put up a million and then we'll do a syndication for the rest. And that way people who want to get the depreciation, people who want to get the upside or higher equity percentage um, in some small cash flow, they could play a part in that. And instead of us taking 4 million and deploying it to one building, now we can create four syndications and we're in four different hundred unit buildings. So we have that set up where we do that with the fund. And then we have equitable interest. We got skin in the game, investors like that, especially today. Yeah. So so that's interesting. So I just want to make sure I'm going to just repeat back what I heard, make sure I've got it right. So your fund is will act as the sponsor and take a minority interest in it. And then there's, uh, do you put together like a special purpose vehicle that's the syndication that other folks can invest in and you your fund has a smaller piece and manages and and runs the thing did i get that right 100 percent. so okay. investor can go straight into the syndication because everybody's investment portfolio is different right um, yeah. we were talking earlier and you were saying hey you know my mindset is income yeah so and in our fund we have two classes in our fund uh, one class is a B class where you can earn 11% and your returns. Those are quarterly distributions. And the other class is a C class where you can earn 90% annually. Those are quarterly distributions. The minimum investment is 50000 They both operate the same. One is a five-year term. That's where you get a higher yield. You can compound in that, in that class also. The other one is a 90-day call option um, that you have. There's no term. It's just a 90-day call option. and You make 9% annually on that quarterly distributions. So if you okay. just want straight income, you can go into the fund, get a set return and get straight income. <laughs> if you want depreciation and more equity, right? You can go into the syndication side um, and you can get a PREF plus some profit participation, which can get you, you know, you know, mid to high double digit returns. Wow. So it just depends on what your flavor is. So, um, and remember in a fund, we're doing fix and flips also. So yep. we're buying, we're, we're fixing and flipping. The fund does have leverage uh, because what we'll do is we're able to compete with the, the builders because we can buy cash. Okay. So um, we'll go out, we'll see a property that's 500,000. We'll make an offer. We'll say, hey, we'll give you 300,000 cash. We'll close in three weeks. We'll waive appraisal. 
only thing we want is environmental. You know, those are great yeah. terms to compete with builders. You know, three hundred thousand or five hundred thousand on a property. We close in three weeks. Clear title. Let's go. Yeah. Um, so we get the CO. We close, um, and then we take it to one of our uh, lending partners. Uh, we might have like a DLP, a Lima One, a Renovo. One of those lenders. We have about ten million dollars of. of it's not really a line of credit. Um, it's a, available funds they will give us for, for acquisitions. Okay. Um, and what they would do is they would give us uh, 65% uh, loan of cost uh, for renovation, up to renovation of 65% loan of cost. We'll then um, finance with them to get that capital back in the door that we just spent in cash. And then now we have a renovation draw. Hmm. So that's usually how we do um, in that fund. And it's a benefit also more to the class A members, which is the, the management company yep. and the fund because the depreciation that comes from the multifamily is kind of offset the capital gains from the fix and flips. Uh, but the investors in a fund don't really benefit from that more than they would benefit from the syndication. Hmm. So that's, that's really interesting. So there's, so, uh, so multifamilies and fix and flips exclusively. There's no debt. You're not carrying, uh, you're not holding notes in this, uh, in this same fund. Um, no. is it's open. It's a rolling fund people you have, do you are like, are you still open? Are you taking investment now or what, what's that look like? Yes. Yeah, it's, it's a $50 million raise. So, okay. you know, it's open until we raise the 50 million. We just launched it in okay. January. So we have plenty okay. of room in it. Um, okay. it's accredited investors only 50,000 okay. minimum. Yep. And we're looking at possibly, I'm looking at the end of this year, speaking to a lot of investors. Um, we got a lot of people who want to put short-term money in because the market is, you know, the volatility of the market. Yeah. Um, but we're looking at um, other ways that we can assist investors. Uh, they like the 90-day call option, but some of them, you know, maybe want a higher yield. So we're looking at other ways that we can possibly um, help investors out, get a higher yield, but hold their capital a little longer. Hmm. So that's what I'll be working on this quarter. But right now we have two classes. I'm thinking about rolling out two more classes um, in the new year once we update, because every year we have to update the PPM uh, with traction, things that we did, assets we purchased. Um, so when we go for that update, I'm thinking about rolling out two more classes. I don't know what the terms would be now. Still surveying a lot of investors to see what they're currently getting, where they're at in the marketplace, what are they looking for? So yeah. we can see um, if we can make another pivot just with classes. I always like to service the investor that way. It's not about paying them more interest. It's just understanding where their portfolio is at and what they're looking for. So, you okay. know, we take a survey with all our investors to see that and kind of make adjustments or pivots every time we update our PPM on an annual hmm. basis. So there's a, there's a list of things I like to, to make sure that I ask when we're talking here. I think we covered uh, thesis pretty well. I want to talk about uh, edge. What do you feel like your edge is in this, like why, why Fuquan, why this fund, uh, you know, of all the, of all the things outside of the, uh, outside of the thesis that you have there. Yeah. As I mentioned earlier, I'm really hands-on, you know, yeah. you find a lot of guys who's just in the office behind a desk. Like I'm out in the field. I love it. I'm hands-on. I know I'm responsible for investors capital. Um, if you look at my calendar to speak to me, I have appointments on Saturday, Sunday evening, uh, 10 o'clock at night, you know, I block the stuff with my family first and then yeah. I make myself available for investors. So communication, I definitely yeah. would say it's edge um, because investors like that, someone that will communicate with them immediately, respond to them immediately. 
um, I'm actually evaluating on uh, the, the assets that we buy uh, along with my team. But of course, I make sure I have my hand in it to get the last blessing on it. Um, and I'm involved with a lot of the acquisitions. So just being hands on, we're like a boutique shop. We're not really trying to, you know, run a two, three million, hundred million dollar fund. Um, yeah. We just want to have a small network of investors that we, you know, we still all know their first names. <laughs> we yeah. still We still know who they are. We could communicate with them, but being local, um, as I mentioned earlier, I've been investing for 23 years and the areas we do our fix and flips is exclusively in New Jersey, where I've been doing it the last 23 years. So knowing these markets, everything is local, knowing where the New York buyers are coming over at, laser focusing on that area and be able to concentrate on that one thing in my market, which is fix and flips. Yeah. Uh, the Southeast. We, you know, we divested over the last couple of years. A lot of our rents was in New Jersey. It's not a landlord-friendly state. Atlanta and Georgia is. So we planned our flag there a little over two years ago and just been slowly buying, you know, 40 unit here, 100 unit there. We actually just closed on 120 units in Macon. And I guess the post you saw linked them was the sister yeah. property to that, which is 143 units, uh, which is like 15 minutes away from the property we just purchased. Same owner. We're just waiting for 90% occupancy, and we believe that um, we will be able to close that um, February uh, or maybe late March because it's 90 for 90 we're waiting for to get agency debt. So that's already wow. on the contract. So how and, many doors um, do you have in that then in this um, fund? Do you know? It sounds like several hundred at least, yeah? Yeah, yeah. And this fund is several hundred doors. Uh, and right now we're working on about 26 fix and flips. Um, and we're just excited. Uh, we kind of put the pause on the acquisitions with fix and flips probably until about the end of first quarter. We want okay. to see, um, we want to see where the market is going. We, we want more sellers um, to be more desperate. So yeah. we, if we buy anything, it's going to be stuff that's been on the market at least six months plus. So we're waiting a little bit more to the beginning of Q2, mid Q2 to see if there's enough blood in the street before we buy. Cause those who have cash are going to be positioned very well to take advantage of what's coming. I mean, who yeah. knows what's coming? Something is coming. I can feel it coming in the air tonight. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> oh, I Lord. agree. Yeah, we don't know what's coming. We don't have a crystal ball, but we just yeah. want to posture, you know, for whatever is to come. Yeah. Well, that ties in well to the next thing that I was going to ask, which I think you've, uh, I think you've answered with with that, which is yeah. talk to me about what you see is the risks out there and i agree it sounds like it seems like it, the risk is going to be you buy too high uh, and it sounds like you're mitigating that by by uh e easing off the acquisition uh and and waiting to see that makes a lot of sense what else are you doing or or what else would we want to know about in terms of what you're doing to mitigate risks out there yeah so so when it comes to fix and flip people want new product right? yeah they don't want um, you know, they'll take something renovated that's nice. If you gutted it down to the beams and you can show you did all new plumbing, electrical, HVAC, roof, windows, everything, people want that new product. They don't want the lipstick on a the pig. They don't want the quick, you know, swapping fixtures out, painting, uh, yeah. popping in floors over top of floors. You know, they want yeah. the real product. So we've been focusing strictly on that without fixing flips to make sure we bring a great quality product to the market. Uh, we're doing a lot of ground up renovation um, for those higher end areas. That's a million and up. Mostly all that stuff is ground up okay. um, or a major addition or a major addition. And we took the house down to the studs and we're doing all new work um, and they can see the quality of the product. So we're going to stand out 
against others that's on the market, even though if it's a higher ticket item, we have the best quality product that's on the market. Um, again, we're like 25 minutes away from the city. So, yeah. you know, it's not that um, it's not that we're not seeing the same thing others are seeing where there's longer time turn time on the market. But, yeah. you know, things are still moving faster than it is in the West because it slows from the West to the Midwest to the East is the, really the last people who get hit uh, with declining values and things like that. But, um, you know, what used to be one week on the market is now, then it went to three weeks in the market. Now we're steadily at 30 days, things sit in the market before they sell. And we're seeing the things that are brand new renovated still, you know, I don't want to say flying off the shelf, but still moving quickly on on today's market. And that may change as interest rates increase and things go. So that's why I mentioned we put a pause on that. We're focusing more on acquisitions of multifamilies. We're starting to see that market soften up a little bit. What we're doing there, even in that space, is being very creative and going back to the note business. Yeah. Um, sell, seller financing. Hey, sure. Mr. Seller, how about you hold this this loan and you be the bank for three years? Mm -hmm. That way you don't trigger a big tax liability. And, you know, maybe you give us five and a half percent interest only for three years. Give me time to stabilize this thing, do some renovations, and I refi out and pay you later. So yeah. we've been using that strategy uh, for acquisitions of the multifamily. Yeah. And once the sellers have, you know, uh, you know, once there's an abundance of more inventory, abundance of inventory in the market for the fix and flips, we'll be doing that same strategy um, where we can actually do seller financing, let them be the bank, cash them out later on, give them a decent deposit now so they can be happy. And you know, do a wrap or whatever we can to to get control of the property, and um, and renovate it and sell it. So nice. A lot of different creative strategies we can do with creative financing in this marketplace. Yeah, yeah. It sounds like you're just finding a way. Uh, to it's nice how you're not. It's not so rigid. Like you're able to you're able to flex with you know with oh, yeah. whatever the market is is bringing to you. You have to. In this market, yeah. I mean, I've made so many pivots in my life. I got hurt in um, 08 because I was just doing flips. I really yeah. had no cash flow for rentals. I was forced to be a landlord. I learned to no space. I went crazy and bought second mortgages. So when I used to tell yeah. people I'm raising money for second mortgages that are delinquent, they were like, this guy yeah. is crazy. Like, <laughs> talk about risk, right? Yeah. So, you know, once I went through those hurdles, that hurdle, and really learned that space and mastered that space. Um, we started to focus on more performance to get cash flow. Then we, you know, then we pivoted to buying first and seconds. And then we yep. said, okay. Then we started doing a little bit of fix and flips. And then we pivoted to having a fund that did notes and fix and flips. Mm. And then we pivoted to a fund that did notes, fix and flips, and and rentals. Yep. You know, kind of creating that hybrid diversity model. And then after COVID, I was like, you know, we still own a lot of notes today in our previous fund. But after COVID, I was like, I'm not going to buy any more notes. It's too litigious. The, the, the lawyers are making all the money. It, it just doesn't make sense. Pricing is all over the place. I can yeah. control a fix and flip. I just got to make sure the contract that don't drive my guys crazy. Yeah. Um, and back to your question earlier, we do have a team. Uh, we have an in-house team. We have an international team. Uh, my international team from the Philippines, they support our in-house team. Um, you know, we have about 10 people on our team, uh, construction managers, project managers, business relationship managers, regional property manager, asset manager, uh, assistant property manager, construction office admin, you know, executive assistant. We have a really thorough team in-house. And I'm so grateful for the team I have. My goal as the chief visionary officer, I don't call myself a yeah. CEO. I don't um, even know what a CEO is. Yeah. <laughs> I'm the chief visionary officer. My goal is to keep the culture intact and create success, which is our fourth core value. 
um, optimize daily experience sustainable over time. And if I can do that with my team, we can bring that down to our clients and then we all can be successful. Nice. Well, that's awesome. So I, we covered the thesis, your edge. We talked a little bit about the risks. You said you do have to be accredited. Um, the investment minimum, did you say 50K? Sure. Yep. Yeah. Uh, target returns. It sounds like, is there a sweetener on top of the nine to 11% uh, return that we talked about? Is there like when you, um, when you have a disposition later, you're selling stuff or, or is it, um, or is it fixed at that, at that rate? How's that work? Yes. Yeah, it's, fi it's fixed at that rate for those who want to get, you know, some profit participation, they can go into the syndication going oh, right. through that okay. side. Um, and the fund is just fixed. You can compound it. So we have a feature you can turn on and off only in class B. Um, mm -hmm. The target return for that is 11%. Um, since inception of this fund, we've been meeting PREF on target. Um, okay. But the target return is 11% in class B. You can compound that. You can turn that feature on and off and you can earn a little bit more. It turns from an income to a growth when you compound it. Uh, class C, which is a 9%, same thing. We've been on target, haven't missed a distribution payment yet or underperformed on that okay. target and but you can't compound in that feature because that's a call option It's a 90-day call option okay and um so maybe help me understand that part where it's a call option i understand call options and you know i i have call options right now um in the you know in the market but help me understand how that what that means in terms of your uh in in your fund parlance. sure so i mean you can invest and anytime you want your principal back um, you just call it and you get it back in 90 days and you earn it interest on the way to it out. So it's short term okay. uh, funding. Yeah. Um, we use that. We use that money primarily for, uh, again, once we make that flip and fix and flip acquisition for cash, we'll reach out to one of our lenders, uh, put some leverage on that 65 um, percent yeah. loan of cost, get that money in the door in 45 days. Or we use it for renovation schedules. Usually, as you know, when you do fix and flips, the bank give you a draw. You yeah. have to do the first phase of a hundred thousand or whatever it is, and they'll come yeah. out, inspect, and then forty hours give you the draw. So we use that money for stuff like that um, to kind of okay. help us leverage that piece of it okay. um, on a deal. So lockup's only ninety days. Yeah, what well, a lockup is until you call it, and it's yeah. not locked up. If you put it in the fund, you yeah. can leave it in there for a year and call it. You could leave it in for four months and call it. You can have yeah. it in for a month and go, hey, I want my money yeah. back. Yeah, you can from the beginning say, I'm giving it to you now, and I want it back in ninety days, and we yeah. will then take that and use it, you know, how we can to kind of help. This is the extra leverage component that we have in the fund. Nice. Well, that's awesome. Fuquan, this sounds great. What is the, how should folks get a hold of you if they want to learn more about this and, and dig into more details? Yeah, as I mentioned earlier, I'm really hands-on. I would love to talk to you. You can go to nngcapitalfund.com, Nancy, Nancy, George, capitalfund.com. There's a big orange button on the very front of the page that says schedule a call. Go through the steps, answer a few questions, schedule a call. Um, I'll be more than happy to jump on a Zoom call with you to, to further elaborate um, and give you more details on our offerings. Awesome. Or you can go to YouTube also and just put my name in Fuquan Bilal and you can see some of the finished projects, the renovations that we've done. Um, yeah, nice. that's about it. We'll get a link. Uh, we'll get a link to that in the show notes too. Appreciate you coming on here. You're the first uh, guest I've talked to who's been shot five times. And still want to talk about it, um, but uh, but you've been you know like I say you referred to me by a handful of folks at least, and so I'm just real glad we were finally able to you know communicate one on one here, and it's been great having you, um, and thanks for being here. Thank you, I really appreciate it, man. Thanks for having me.
My pleasure. All right.